Our scripture today, uh, we have two scriptures. Um, the first one should be relatively easy to find. Um, it's from Genesis 1, so it's on page 3 of your pew Bibles. Uh, then God said, let us make man in our image, in our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds of the air and all the creatures that live, move on the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. And our second scripture comes from Exodus 20, um, verses 8 to 11. That can be found on page 138 of your pew Bibles. It's from the Ten Commandments. Verse 8. Oops, that's chapter 13, my bad. 118, my bad. Chapter 20, verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your maidservant or manservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that's in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Amen. Over the next two weeks, we'll be paying attention to the commandment to practice the Sabbath or to take a day off every week. Because this says something that it sounds really odd to us in Northern Virginia in 2024. And because it says something that we find odd, that means that we have a lot to learn from it. How you think of rest is really bound up with how you think of work. And since unless you're tired, you work for at least a third of your waking hours, um, I think this is a really important thing to think about. Now, when you get to the New Testament, you'll see that the early church understood the Sabbath as a law that was meant for the Jews in the Old Testament, and that Gentile Christians should not feel obligated to practice it the same way that Jews do. You'll especially find it in Paul's letters in places like Colossians 2 and Romans 14 and Justin Martyr, an early Christian theologian from the second century, also said the same thing in his dialogue with Trifo. So don't feel guilty if you do work on a Sunday, for example, after church, of course. Um, <laughs> you know, obviously, I'm here working right in front of you. 
um, since a major majority or even, or major minority or even a majority of early Christians were slaves, they weren't able to practice the Sabbath anyway. Early Christians would wake up really, really early in the morning to worship together at church before they had to go to church on Sundays, before they had to go to work on Sundays. But God's commandment to all of us that we should rest and stop working every once in a while still holds for all of us, not just for Jews. We are commanded to rest because rest is a good gift of God. And as people who rush around as much as we do, it's something we really need to hear. But this commandment to remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy is really an odd commandment, isn't it? It simply says that you shouldn't work one of the days of the week. We're kind of used to the Bible telling us things that we should do that we really don't want to do. To do things that mean making sacrifices that we're not ready to make. But here it tells us to kick our feet up for a day, maybe read a book, watch a movie, hang out with your friends. It's almost like, what's the catch? The problem is that if you get into a certain kind of mode, this really is a hard thing to hear. It's hard to be told to stop working for a day. The first commandment that God gives in this passage is to not have any gods before the true God in the Ten Commandments. In other words, don't trust in other stuff for your destiny or salvation or identity, but put your trust in God alone. Now, it's easy for us to say, we don't worship any other gods, so we're good. Uh, But then we come to this commandment about not working, and for some, we have a really hard time with it. We have have trouble with it. And I think the reason we have such a hard time not working is that work has become an idol for us. We trust in our work for our destiny, identity, and salvation. Believe me, this is the idol that might have its strongest hold on me. And when I say I struggle with making work an idol and that I trust in work rather than God sometimes... What I'm confessing to you is a sin. It is a sin to trust and work more than God, or rather than God. It's a sin to work too hard. I'm not telling you that I'm really holy because this is the sin that I struggle with. There is nothing holy about sin. I will have to answer to God for the ways that I put my trust in work rather than God alone. But I don't think that I'm the only one. It's the part of the culture of this area that we revere people that work themselves into a nub and come home exhausted, only to wake up and do it again the next day, and so on forever. But we weren't made to do that. We were made to trust God alone. There is nothing holy about working yourself to a nub instead of trusting God, that if you take a break for a few hours, the whole world won't fall apart. But for some reason, we actually revere and hold sacred the kind of person that makes work an idol. And that very fact is actually the best proof that our culture has made work an idol. Now, imagine for a moment that some prophet in the Old Testament, let's say Elijah, came and saw a bunch of Israelites worshiping some other god, like Baal, instead of the true god. They trust in Baal to give them rain and not God alone. So then Elijah goes up to them and says, what are you thinking? Don't you know that Baal isn't a real god? Don't you know that it's pointless to put your trust in them? And then, to the prophet's surprise, all the Israelites say, yeah, you know, we really struggle with Baal worship. We really ought to work on that. And Elijah's like, great, looks like my, my work here is done. But then, the, but then Elijah comes back the next day, and they're still worshiping Baal. And the prophet says, what are you thinking? I thought you knew that worshiping Baal was wrong. And they respond and say, yeah, you know, we really struggle with Baal worship. But, you know, how else will the rain come? 
And at that point, Elijah realizes that the Israelites knew that worshiping Baal was wrong, but they were kind of proud of it. They were proud of it because they thought it made them good citizens. Only the best kind of people struggle with Baal worship, don't they? It's far more holy to struggle with Baal worship than it is to struggle with Asherah worship, isn't it? That's when Elijah realizes that stopping people from worshiping Baal is going to be a lot more hard and complicated. In fact, you know a certain idol has taken hold when people admire you for struggling with it. But don't you see how similar it is when we put our trust in work? We say we struggle with making work an idol, but deep down we're kind of proud of it, aren't we? We say that only the best kind of people struggle with making work an idol. Only the best kind of people work themselves into nubs so they don't have time for anything else. It makes you a good citizen to completely exhaust yourself. It's far more holy to struggle with working hard than it is to struggle with being lazy, isn't it? See, if we went back in time and talked to Elijah about our struggles with making work an idol, he probably would have seen it in the exact same way that we see how Israelites struggle with worshiping Baal. That is, it's completely nonsensical and totally ridiculous. And he'd be right. Only God deserves your worship. Only the worship of God is honorable. And only God deserves your trust and faith. Because all idols are really the same. We trust in idols like work because they give us answers that seem satisfying. They help us figure out what our future will look like and who we really are. The only problem is that false gods give us false answers to those questions. And answering those questions falsely leads to disastrous consequences. We ask, you know, what will happen to me if I rest for a little while? Since we all have become accustomed to a certain standard of living, we wonder what would happen if we stopped making money. How could we possibly live if we made 10% less? But this is why the brethren idea of simple living is necessary. We can live if we made 10% less than we do now. We can have security and all that. We just won't be able to have all the consumer goods that we're used to. We won't be able to eat out for every meal. We might not have all that, but we'll have actual healthy relationships with our work. We'll enjoy our work. We'll even enjoy those times when we aren't working. And we'll build communities with one another and hang out together instead of working ourselves to death before collapsing into a Netflix coma and then falling asleep. We were made to depend on God for all this stuff. And God promises us better things than a few more consumer goods, if only we trust him. Or, and this is the one that really gets me, we might ask, who am I if I stop working? What's the point of doing anything unless I have something to show for it at the end? What will people think of me if I'm not always pursuing the next degree or writing the next paper? Sometimes I work just to avoid having to think about those things. But work is a false answer to those questions, just like work is a false god. Who am I if I stop working for a day? I'm a child of God, that's who. Isn't that enough of an identity? Can I just rest knowing that God loves me whether I'm writing a paper or not? No, we were made to actually enjoy the fruits of our labor. We were made to enjoy our labor itself. If we can't do either of those things, we need to look at ourselves and wonder whether work has become an idol for us. It's good to work hard. It's even good to push yourself. God might be calling you at this time to work harder during this uh, this time in your life than in others. 
but think and pray that God would make sure that when you work hard, it's not because you trust your work instead of God alone. If you find that your work is coming between you and God, that might mean it's a time to take a step back, take a break, and reevaluate. As scary as it sounds, it might, that means that sometimes you're going to have to say no to people when they ask you for things. And of course that's what it means. If you work less, that means you have to say no when people ask you to do things. Now, when I say work, I don't only mean the stuff you get paid for. I also mean the stuff you volunteer for, even the church. I mean the stuff you do for other people as well. We were definitely made to love and serve one another, and that can involve work. But sin is tricky, and so is idolatry. Even when you are working for the church, and even when you're helping out your neighbor, you might find yourself worshiping at the idol of work. People answer those same two questions with work, whether they're paid for it or not. People volunteer at the church because they understand themselves as super volunteers who never need a rest. People will think, what disasters will happen at the church if I took a break? But I'm serious here. If you are feeling burnt out with church volunteering, if it's coming between you and God, talk to us immediately and don't feel guilty if you need to take a break. You can keep coming on church, to church on Sundays, even if you don't volunteer. It's okay. We love the gifts that you bring us with your volunteering, but we love you more. What would it profit our church to gain every cool new program and outreach event, but to lose your soul? Again, it's a good thing to work hard. There are certain times of your life where you're called to work harder than you thought possible. Working can be used to bless yourself and all the people around you. The question is why you're working and whether it's sustainable. Are you working out of fear, driving yourself to ridiculous lengths just because you don't know what happens if you stop? Or are you working out of love for those around you and for God? When people talk about why you should practice the Sabbath, they normally say something like, God knows how he created us, and he knows that we need to rest if we're going to be productive. So this is good advice for how to take care of yourself um, so that you can live sustainably. If you take a day off during the week, and this is the big one, if you take a day off during the week, you'll be much more productive on the other days. All this is true, but it misses the point. Because then you're saying that the point of Sabbath is for work. No. The point of work is for Sabbath. You spend your day getting everything you need done so that you can come home and enjoy the fruits of your labor and community with God and with others. Now, here I, I, our idolatry of work sneaks in when we least expect it. We practice the Sabbath so that we, should, we can worship work more. No, you were made for more than work. The text actually gives us the main reason for the commandment. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, because in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that's in them, and rested on the seventh day. Now, if the reason that you should take a rest every week was that you will be more productive, then it would say that, wouldn't it? And anyway, God obviously doesn't need to rest in order to be more productive, right? So he's resting for a different reason. Does God really need to rest to be more productive? Well, no, not at least in the sense that we understand it, um, but we'll answer that question a little bit more next week. Whatever the case, God gives a short account of the story of creation here. Why do we work for six days and rest on the seventh? 
because that's what God did. For no other reason than that. Simply by stretching our week around the order of creation, we are imitating God. The very fact that we have names for our days, did you know that? The very fact that we have names for our days and that we have a difference between weekdays and weekends is an imitation of God himself and in his creation. Now, this is seriously one of the coolest things in the whole world in its context. If you remember, in Genesis, God created the whole world out of a formless void. He brought an order to the world so that it would actually function. He took dirt and plants and made them sustain themselves. He took the sun and made it shine so that, to, on earth so it could provide warmth and energy. In other words, he assigned everything a function. He made order out of chaos, kind of like how a potter takes a useless lump of clay and makes it into a pot that's useful for holding things. He subdued the creation, and finally, for the cherry on top, God created humans. And he assigned humans their own function, too. He told them to fill the earth and subdue it and to have dominion over it. The very first job of, that humans have is as gardeners in the Garden of Eden. Their job is to maintain God's creation, to make sure that it remains as beautiful as ever, and to make sure that God's order for it remains in effect. Now, you might wonder, why doesn't God just do all that? Now, obviously, God is all-powerful, so why can't he take care of creation for himself? The answer is that God is simply allowing us to have the privilege of joining in his work. God brought order to creation, so we bring order to creation. God reigns as king over creation, filling the earth and subduing it. So we reign as kings and queens over creation, filling the earth and subduing it. It sounds crazy, but if God is creator, then we are co-creators. Can you imagine that? God has so honored humanity that he has allowed us to be a part of his work of creation. And this isn't because God needed us to do it. We know that he doesn't. It's because God wants us to join in with his work. God so abounded with joy and playfulness and filling the earth with the beautiful mountains and unfathomable oceans. He so loved creating the rhinoceros and the seahorse and the lion. They couldn't help but want to share that joy with humans. And now we join in with God when we work creatively together, when we make beautiful art and incredible gardens, when we take the raw material of creation and make something amazing. God shared the joy of his work of creation like a father might show off his work with his child. My dad worked for HP his whole life on fixing computer storage systems. And from a really young age, I remember thinking that computers were really, really cool, and I wanted to work with computers when I grew up. I would talk with my dad about megabytes and gigabytes and terabytes and petabytes. I would find out the difference between 480p and 720p and 1080p. I thought Blu-ray was a really big deal when it came out. He would show off what his new computer could do, and I just thought it was the coolest thing. And in sharing the work of creation, God is just the same. When we look over a mountaintop and we look at all that God has created, it's like God is showing off what he's done and saying, isn't this cool? When you go to Great Falls Park and you see the rapids of the Potomac, it's like God, like a dad, is saying, don't you just want to join in with me? During those times, we're like God's apprentices, and God is a really enthusiastic and joyful master. Anytime we see incredible beauty in God's creation, it's God saying, see this cool thing I did? Okay, now do likewise. Make paintings of the landscapes that are somehow even more beautiful than the landscape itself. 
Write a song about the beauty of creation that enhances your enjoyment of it. Take the seeds of wheat and make amber waves of grain stretching acre upon acre. It's a wonderful job that we've been given. So why do we work seven, six days and take the seventh day off? Because that's what God did. We're his apprentices, and that's all we'll ever do. Do we get why? Well, not exactly, but we do, do what God did anyway because that's what he taught us in the shop. Every part of our work and life is creation, whether constructing buildings or writing code or planting flowers or playing music. And all of these things we imitate our creator, who worked for six days and took the seventh day off. We show that there's a family resemblance between all of creation and its creator. In other day, words, we don't take the Sabbath day off because we don't like our work. It's not, man, we all really hate our jobs. We need a day off every week. You know, for a while, going back years now, I thought, well, I actually really enjoy the work that I do, so it doesn't really feel like work, so I don't really need to rest from it if I, don't, if I do like it. But that's missing the point of the Sabbath entirely. The point of the Sabbath is to honor the work that you did on the first six days. You give up working for a day because that makes the work all the more sweet. It's recognizing that your creative work in the six days is actually God's work, and you've just been given the privilege of enjoying it. That's true of every honest profession in this world, no matter how secular it might seem. Everything you do and work is oriented to creating order out of a world that is prone to fall apart. Everything you do is an act of creation, just like God's creation. And that means that all the work we do is profoundly honorable and sacred. And more than that, Sabbath is a celebration of creation. You work six days and on the seventh you rest, because in doing that, you're commemorating creation. That means that the rhythm of your life is bound up with remembering the one that created you. It makes it easier to be thankful for the blessings in your life if every, day, if, if every week you have a day specifically meant to remember who created those blessings. That means that the things you do on the Sabbath are meant to celebrate creation. Taking a hike on the Sabbath is a celebration of the God who made the mountains and everything you can see from them. Playing a board game is a celebration of the God who created our minds and the cool problems we can solve with them. Playing a sport is a celebration of the God who made games and the bodies to play them. This is all a constant reminder that God is good and the world that he created is good. So you see how the gospel gives us a better vision for what work looks like than our false god of work. We work out of the overflowing joy of God's good creation. We work because we love this world and we want to see the best come out of it. We want to see beauty and joy and love and community come out of our work. And at the end of the day, we kick our feet up and enjoy what we just did, just like God kicked up his feet and enjoyed his work. More than anything, we work because we want to be like our father. We want to rest because we want to be like our father. It's way better to be God's co-creators, spilling out art and food and joy through our work, than it is to work out of fear. So let's all take this week to reconsider our relationship with our work. Let's make sure that we're not making work an idol, and that we serve out of love and not out of fear. Because work and rest are good gifts of God, we should receive them as good gifts and not as masters that we must obey. Let's pray. God, we have often not been loyal to you. 
instead worshiping our work. It is easy for us to think that the whole world would fall apart if we took a break. But God, you alone uphold the world by your word. We don't keep the world running, you do. Help us to rest in your grace and mercy. Amen.